Welcome to The Metabolic Link, a podcast that explores the common thread of metabolism in health and disease. This is where science meets society. Welcome back to another episode of The Metabolic Link, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we uh, are sharing an interview with Chad Vanax. He is a highly successful entrepreneur that had a life-altering event after being diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer. So Chad was building a career as a chief marketing officer of payments uh, for a company and, and also training many of the top executives and managers for companies like Dropbox, Calendy, Dialpad, while at Winning by Design. Then in July, 2022, Uh, Chad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Since diagnosis, he's been documenting the process of becoming metabolically, physically, and mentally elite to help him heal from his cancer and continue to execute on his vision and to help top performers perform better. He's currently building the companies uh, most authentic to him, and that includes becoming elite, Uncharted Spirits, and a tequila farm that has specialized in uh, flour. And we cover a lot of territory in this uh, video and and this recording. I'm very excited to share uh, Chad's uh, sort of opinions on what it means to be metabolically, physically, and mentally elite, and a little bit about his diet and the various things that have really caused him to reframe and more or less re-engineer his life to include uh, a lifestyle that can really help him be metabolically, physically, and mentally elite. And I'm very excited to share this interview with you. And I think it'll resonate with people who uh, are entrepreneurs and also people that are navigating the diagnosis of having cancer. Thank you again for tuning in. Metabolic Health Summit is the world's premier scientific and medical conference on metabolic health and therapies, featuring world-renowned expert speakers, cutting-edge science, an innovative expo, and incredible networking opportunities. MHS is altogether an unforgettable experience for anyone interested in metabolic health. I think Metabolic Health Summit is amazing. It does such a phenomenal job of bringing world-renowned experts in different illnesses and metabolism, real-world experiences, clinicians, patients, paired with vendors who are trying to make this easier for people. You know, I think for everybody who comes, including myself, learns something. Join us January 25th to 28th, 2024 in Clearwater Beach, Florida, or attend virtually. CMEs are available. Go to MetabolicHealthSummit.com to register. Chad Venegas, did I say your last name right? Uh, close enough. I get usually Vangus or something like that, Van- but it's yeah, Van Eggs, like Van, Van- two, yeah. like a van and two eggs. Yes. Well, Chad, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. Uh, we connected, I checked my email uh, a little over a year ago, I think it was August 30th, that you reached out and connected with me and uh, and you shared, I mean, just looking at my email, your email now, that you were the uncharacteristic 
cancer patient that reaches out to me, 39 year old, non-smoker, super fit, super lean, maybe a weekend drinker, but basically had your diet pretty much nailed down. So, you know, very active surfing, running, CrossFit, uh, and you had been diagnosed 45 days ago with non-cell, non-small cell lung cancer, uh, EGFR mutation, which had metastasized, uh, metastasized to the lung, to, to your lymph nodes, to the abdomen and, um, to the bones in the brain. So I remember the gut feeling that I had reading this and just thinking about, I mean, this is kind of like almost the phenotype of me, <laughs> you know, or anyone else, you know, that is uh, in this uh, phenotype that you would never think that cancer would even be on your radar. And um, so why don't we begin, you know, by just maybe telling us, you know, how, how this has changed your mindset and a little bit of the backstory too. I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Where unpacking. to begin, right? We're, yeah. yeah. We're unpacking something here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, the, the, yeah, I remember emailing you and just, you know, asking, uh, we were connected through somebody else. Um, and, uh, remember emailing you just to see like, what is, what are my options out here? Because 39 years old, you're not supposed to get this. My oncologist, she was like trying to refer me to somebody, one of her patients that um, could give me some support in some way. Well, that person was basically 60 years old. Like there was like, I was the youngest by almost 20 years out of all her patients. And she's seen hundreds of patients, if, if not more. And I just remember, I remember people saying to me, oh, you're so healthy. And I'm like, yeah, except for this one little thing, you know? But I mean, I've had 14 months to process since that email to you. And since we've talked a few times and look, I could have definitely been better on the nutrition, all that stuff. I mean, you know, crush a Stella, a couple Stellas a day on a Saturday, you know, and probably have some Jersey mics to go with it, you know, where I'm not super dialed in. But I think a lot of it actually had to do with um, more of the stress component that probably just created the perfect environment. And so metabolically, I was, I was just off and I, I just created the, the environment that was, that was perfect for a cancer cell to slip through at the age of 39. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's the beginning of it. Um, but as we go, I think we can, we can talk more and go deeper depending on which way you want to go. Yeah. Well, your backstory is, I mean, leading up to this, like a super uh, successful entrepreneur, your part of companies, starting companies, uh, you, you know, helped executives and managers in uh, companies like Drop, Dropbox and Calendy and, and a few others, I think. So maybe share kind of leading up to this, the decade or two, you know, what your life was like, and you mentioned the stress component. And I think, you know, me included, and I think many people listening to this can attest uh, and I've had many deep conversations with personal friends that uh, stress can be an immense physiological uh, trigger. I mean, it can set off a cascade if you have a dormant Epstein-Barr virus or shingles or, you know, suppress your immune system and then bam, you get a cold. Uh, and I just know personally, just looking back at my life, uh, the times I pretty much never get sick, but it had, had only correlated with some kind of 
uh, stressful event, yeah. you know, and then, uh, it would set off a, almost an inflammatory cascade, but it sounds like I know a lot of entrepreneurs just are on a roller coaster of ups and downs and it's a very dopamine driven kind of <laughs> yeah. occupation, yeah. right? Yeah. So. I mean, and it's funny you say super, super successful. And if I look back, I'm like, ah, there wasn't the success that I was hoping or expected or wanted. And that's part of the problem. Um, so, I mean, look, the, the, the fast and sh the fast version of this is I was selling, uh, new homes in Ohio. I crushed it. The youngest sales rep there, I'd crush it, but I was like, this is my life. I'm going to sit in this model home. Like this is not, I can't do this. Moved to Chicago. I'm going to sell real estate there. I got the, I just got manhandled because I had never been on my own selling on my own. The next year I crushed it. $10 million in real estate I sold and I'm 23 years old. It was awesome. And then we all know what happened in 2008, right? The Great Recession yeah. hit. I go bankrupt, right? And it's like all these things are just starting to these these this ability to think about a negative situation and feel that multiple times over and over. I then proceed to get into uh, a couple uh, startups. One startup didn't go the way I wanted. The second startup I created one with my with my partner didn't go the way I wanted, right? Didn't work out the way I hoped. Went to another startup, created an incredible program. I crushed it, actually. I did really well. In fact, they just IPO'd. It's called Clavio. They IPO'd like two weeks ago. Wow. You know, and I built uh, their partner program. But here's the deal. I left because of all, I went to another place because I was chasing, 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 chasing. That place didn't work out. And like, I just remember getting to a point just going, none of this is going the way I had hoped. And um the, the thinking around that, thinking around that started creating a lot of, um, not necessarily anxiety, but yeah, a little bit, but a lot of uh, frustration and anger and bitterness and resentment. And I, you could feel that for years. I could feel it for five years just being just angry. And the biggest thing is, is I was doing all these things and none of them I actually cared about. Like, that's not who I was ever supposed to be anyway. And like, this is 14 months later, being able to look backwards and connect those dots and be like, oh, I was putting myself in a situation to create a stressful environment. First, because I was doing things I never cared about. Second, because I was trying so hard to make them work and they weren't working. So there's nothing worse in life than busting your ass to make something work in an industry you don't care about and it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, dude, what was all yeah. of that for? I should have been at Nat Geo. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at Nat Geo. And instead, I was getting into real estate and tech. And just, it just never really hit me that hard, you know, until now. Yeah. Well, I just know through our communication that you have a very adventurous spirit and mm -hmm. you're very, very well traveled and, uh, you know, um, utilize your fitness level and <laughs> your adventure just to explore so many different things from surfing, you know, big waves to, um, I forget the last time you had reached out to me because we were, you were using a continuous glucose monitor levels health and you had some insight into that. And, uh, and I was like, where are you? I don't even think you told me where you're at. You just sent like a little video. I was like, I'm trying to figure out where were you at? Like, yeah, so I can't remember like, if I actually said where I was. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I never did. I'd yeah. like to guess. And it's just like, okay, yeah, you are just out there living life, making the most of it, meeting people, making a difference. And I want to get, you know, to all the different things that you're working on uh, now. But, uh, but I also kind of want to take a step back. And when you did 
So that was your lifestyle. And then you got the diagnosis. And then what led you to what kind of symptoms did you have? And how did the diagnosis alter your mindset and your framing around your mentality, your philosophy, your, uh, your diet, all these different things? Yeah, great question. Uh, it was basically January of 2022, I believe. I, had, I came down with COVID. I got COVID. And so I had a cough and I kept coughing. And like six weeks later, I was still, it was just a night, like an annoying tickle. And I was like, I would look it up. I'm like, oh, it's long COVID, like whatever. Like I've never been sick. Like I don't get sick. And I'm like, fine, I'll just, it'll, it'll go away like it normally does. March or something hits and it's still here. And I was like, okay, now it's getting interesting. I like, I, but still it's basic. I think it's long COVID. And then finally, a few weeks later, I just, I felt my neck and I just remember feeling these, I just swollen lymph nodes and my, my primary care was like, ah, oh, it might be just a cyst. And I was like, okay. And then we got a, we got an ultrasound and I'll never forget the lady. She goes, she'd probably been an ultrasound individual for like 30 years. So she's seen enough. And I just remember her going and she goes, oh, and then like tried to hide that because she was like, I think I just gave something away. And I was like, oh, that was my first indication that something was up. And um, then I, I got a, a chest CT, I believe. And luckily a pulmonologist and my PCP sent it to a pulmonologist and was just like, can you just take a look at this? Because the radiologist thinks it's a pneumonia. And she's like, definitely not pneumonia. And uh, so I had this cough for a long time. Um, at one point, had a lot of lethargy, but that was, I was like, oh, this is just, I'm having a bad day. So that was the symptoms. And then it wasn't until that pulmonologist brought me in and goes, no, you have 80% chance you have lung cancer. And then five days wow. later, yeah, five days later, they did a bronchoscopy. And the, and the bronchoscopist basically said, yeah, you have a tumor that's five times the average. And um, she, he told my wife, he said to my wife, just go home and be with him as his time and it comes to an end. And at that time, they had not done uh, the genetics on the tumor. They had not, but they just saw that it had metastasized. And, brain, uh, yeah. and that was January? So it was No, sorry, sorry. Let me July, go back. January it? is when the COVID cough started happening. Oh, okay. By, yeah, yeah, the okay. Time, by the time yeah. I started like, oh, something's up. You know what happens? It's like, here, go get your CT. And then it's like, oh, but our next appointment's not for two weeks. And it's yeah. literally like a month before you can actually get something going. And so I, what my bronchoscopy was um, like July 21st. That's when it was okay. confirmed. Because I remember because you had said it was like 45 days. And I was mm -hmm. thinking, okay, 45 days. And, you know, since you had been diagnosed, and I'm just kind of thinking about your thought process. And as I'm reading the email, I just, I remember like just reading the email and just thinking, okay like what your mindset was at that 45. I mean, also just knowing that your background and your existing physical health prior to that, and there's probably so many things and questions running through your mind. It was right? brutal. <laughs> yeah. It was brutal. I mean, luckily I, I immediately, I understood. I've listened to a couple podcasts with you about the ketogenic diet. I did it before and I was like, wow, I actually feel great on this. Right. So I immediately switched to that after diagnosis. And a lot of my a lot of like the coughing symptoms started going away a little bit. Like it was very short lived. It was like a couple of weeks because then they got the, the genetic testing done and I was EGFR. So I was able to get this medication yeah. called Tegriso. And then that started rapidly decreasing it. But the mindset was, the, the mind was fucked, <laughs> yeah. frankly.
Sorry. So, and so you were also of the kind of mindset that you were going to embrace the standard of care or aspects of it, but not the radiation, right? And yeah, I, I was trying yeah. to stay away from radiation and chemo altogether. And yeah. I was like, this is a metabolic problem. I'm going to tell you the standard of care, there, there needs to be some talk about that because it is, there's so many experiences where I'm like, I don't think that this is, this is good. And there's plenty yeah. of things that are good without Tegrisso, without Tegrisso, I would be dead. I would have been dead by now. Yeah. And so it's like, there are so many important aspects of the standard Western medicine standard of care. But there's so much missing too. I mean, for example, I switched all my food. I switched my more exercise, more water, more this. Nobody at UCL, uh, nobody at any of these places, right? Yeah. They, no one said anything about drink more water, hydrate. We need more, more water. Drink like better or eat better food. It was, ah, you know, just, just, you know, do what you do and take the medication. And when you explained to them, you know, the path that you wanted to take, it wasn't, you know, you're taking, you're being very proactive. You're being a very yes. proactive patient. And what was their response to kind of like your questions about nutrition and, and about alternative things that you could do, not alternative, but integrative things that you could do to further augment the therapeutic efficacy of what they were doing, because a healthier patient is going to respond better. You know, there's plenty of data to suggest the ketogenic diet can enhance immune-based therapies, can uh, reduce side effects, you know, from, from standard of care. Uh, they, they probably were not aware of, you know, that zero of research, but I, I was given zero, zero. Uh, I literally said, Oh, I'm switching my food and all this stuff. No one ever actually went deeper on what I was doing on a more, uh, more, like you said, I take, I try to take control as much as possible and I do the things. No one said eat better. In fact, I told somebody I was going ketogenic and they were like, okay, well, that's fine, but I, I can't have you losing weight, you know? And I was like, I'm, I'm eliminating sugar. And he's like, well, it's not all that bad. And I was like, like how, how, the host body, right? Like you got to have it in prime condition to handle something like this, you know? Yeah. And I got no advice on that. It was actually mostly from, from you, from the person that connected me to you, from me listening to you before, you know, and me going down the rabbit hole of, you know, anything basic over the last five years, of like whole 30, you know, whole food, plant-based whole foods, you know? So. Well, I had two conversations this week with patients and they were sort of given some advice from their treating oncologist. And I always urge people to get multiple uh, opinions about whether it's, you know, surgery or particular chemotherapy regimen or, you know, lack of lack of embracing the standard of care. Um, did you did you have did you seek out other alternative opinions about your situation? And with your particular cancer though, yeah, that particular drug is, you know, an amazing breakthrough <laughs> in, in so many Save ways. So you were in many ways very lucky. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of room for a lot of things outside of convention, right? Um, so they're not going to really advise too many things outside of the standard of care path. But I was just wondering, you know, what if, any other oncologists 
did you speak with that with them? I, I, I spoke to like one other integrative oncologist. Um, it's been on my list to find the next level, if you will, right? What's yep. the next level? What's going to take me to the next level? The problem is, is like, <laughs> there's this, there's this issue for me, which is I can't, I had all the energy to actually go through and like do the research to find the right people to have the calls to all that stuff on top of it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm shelling out cash now, just left and right. And I'm also working less because it's just too much, right? Like, yep. and at the same time, at the beginning, I was like, well, I'm going to be dead in 12 months. You know, I'm going to YOLO. I'm just going to go do stuff. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, so the answer is no, like I've started that process a little bit, but not enough to like, it, that's really the next level for me. And that's part of, okay. I literally had scans today. I literally got back from scans, from PET scan, brain MRI two hours ago. Wow. And for the first time mentally, I'm just kind of like, this is what it is. But I believe I have enough time right now to actually find the next level. And I, I've been waiting for that moment of just, okay, breathe for a second and f go find these yeah. people. And at what point did you start standard of care and what kind of, um, uh side effects did you have, if any, with the drug regimen that you're on? And you had mentioned the financial and I do, I've gotten, I've gotten so, so many, I've had many calls and emails from people that are just like financially devastated. So there's like a financial toxicity in addition to the toxicity of the standard of care, the financial toxicity can put your mindset into a place where there's undoubtedly impacting your immune system because it's like gut wrenching you know, reality that their, their retirement savings is going to be emptied out and they're not going to have enough for their kids or to live. And that, that is like really gut wrenching to hear that. So some people in contact with me just reject the standard of care just because of the financial and, you know, maybe they're better off depending upon their situation and the type of cancer they have. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. This is, this is the, this is, this is the mental mind game of this disease, you know? And the, the hardest part about this mental mind game of the disease is like, it just feels like, it just feels like we can't find, find people to agree on some just process and protocol, like basic stuff, right? Yep. Like, here's an example. And this is something that, you know, um, I hope to have conversations about because you have one camp that's like whole foods, plant-based only right? That's the way to help your, your system. And then there's the other side, which is like, yeah, but there's the ketogenic side with, you know, eggs and chicken and protein and whatever, whatever it ends up being. And like, I can't find a way to thread the needle. We have five chickens at my house, all it's pasture, the best eggs you're ever going to find. Right. And it's like, I eat one of the eggs and I'm like, oh, wait, is this, is this increasing my IGF one to the point where it's going to make cancer grow? You know, what about this? thing over here or what about that because you got the pathways of what what is it the protein the glucose and the and uh what's the what are the path fat right yeah that they they grow on and i can't find a way to thread the needle and it doesn't seem to be a universal conversation and with your situation, you are already lean and, and fit. So if you had this scenario, which would be vastly different if someone, the large majority of cancer patients that do get diagnosed, they often have weight to lose, right? Mm -hmm. So they could quickly get into therapeutic ketosis, for example, if it's a brain tumor, 
and we know, you know, the, the anti-seizure effects alone, uh, you know, can be helpful in that, in that regard, but just putting your body into a state of therapeutic ketosis massively suppresses, you know, insulin, insulin signaling, glucose, ketones are elevated, that might be therapeutic. And then it's hitting and suppressing inflammatory pathways that are, you know, drivers for tumor growth. But in, in your case, you really do need to thread the needle to ensure that you're getting adequate nutrition, adequate protein, uh, and, you know, you focus on resistance training and exercise to ensure that you're keeping, you know, your lean body mass and your function up. And I think in the beginning, you did start to lose uh, some some way I forget I think you're doing more of a fasting mimicking type of diet. I was doing fast doing I was with Walter Longo's create cures foundation for a little yep. bit so I did keto at the beginning and then in the fall I switched over in like September October I switched over I followed some of their stuff which is good because like that helped me just make sure I got that plant-based setup and like now I'm like it's probably a mix between the two I feel best when it's a mix between the two right yeah like I feel best when I, when I have eggs, I feel good then, you know, um, because I am, I, I was doing heavy workouts, right? I mean, I was training for a half Ironman too. And it's like my That's protein, right. yeah. mm -hmm. my protein was going low. I could tell, I, I don't track that well, but like you can just, you, I can feel the difference. I can only eat so many lentils, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the fasting mimicking diet is really, I mean, almost like a breakthrough in oncogenic <laughs> nutrition, right? For, for treating, for helping cancer patients, just because there's really nothing out there to help it. But it, there's a lot of advantages to using fasting mimicking diet and it's probably has the best track record in terms of the publications to support uh, its use in patients. And like I said, many patients are overweight, so they have, it's a very powerful level uh, lever to pull you know, that nutritional, uh, protocol and, uh, and it's formulated such that it does not really prioritize protein, that there is a level of protein restriction. And in someone like you, that's really active and has more lean body mass and, you know, is younger, your protein requirements are a lot higher. And, um, and you sent me, you've been sending me your blood work, which I think includes IGF one levels too. Yeah, and a, and a variety of different uh, markers. And I remember just kind of looking and everything looked to be great. I think I remember your IGF That's, bumped up at one point and I, f I forget why that that happened. Um, well, I started adding back in. Um, here's my IGF one. So I mean, when I talked to you, it's probably 170, 175, then it dropped down to 132, then it was up to 169, back down to 152. Um, and I think it's a, I think it went up a little higher since then, but that's because I, I added, I probably added in, you know, I was eating more, more animal proteins again, because I was just, yeah. I was feeling like, I was feeling like shit. And I was like, I just, it's funny, like in, in June, after I ran the half Ironman, I went back to intermittent fasting, you know, because it was like, you know, fasting, you know, uh, calorie restriction like that, that made me feel good before. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I started doing it. And after like four or five weeks, I started getting, I started getting lightheaded. I started getting um, spacey. That's the, that's the best way I can put it is spacey to the point where I remember I tried to step over a small fence and my foot kicked it because I felt like I was losing motor function. And I'm like, what is this? Is this anemia? Is it, is it, I'm low on protein? Like what is happening? Nobody, no doctor could tell me what's happening. I had one doctor 
say, well, maybe it's the cancer in your brain growing back. And I was like, dude, that's like the last thing you should say to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and your body weight was neuropathy. Was, What's that? Yeah, and your body weight was down during that time too. Cause this yeah, is, cause I, I mean, just finished the half Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be hyponatremia too. I mean, when you are on that kind of a diet, your insulin levels are low. And I, I remember your insulin levels were really low. I think, uh, yeah. like maybe one or two or no more than three or something like that. And you dump a lot of sodium and, and, you know, I, I just remember, you know, back when I was really strict with keto and doing more intermittent fasting, I would get lightheaded. I would get orthostatic hypotension, things like that. And I yeah. think when our conversation, you had mentioned things like that were happening. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's, it's been a roller coaster, honestly, like, and I think what I'm really just trying to find out, like you said, thread the needle. Like I need to get, mu I need to get protein into the muscles because I'm working out. And I believe, I believe that, you know, the, the heavy complex movements, right. Um, and plus, you know, the CrossFit side of things where I'm getting that high intensity going, those things make me feel good mentally and physically. And it's like, if I'm not fueling that, right. If I'm not fueling that, it's like, it's not good. The problem is, is after I do a workout, I'm like, well, what do I eat? Am I going to eat eggs? Am I going to eat a, a thing of beef? It, salmon's fine, apparently. But it's like, every time I eat something, I'm like, am I growing the cancer? And that's the hard part. I, I know this could be, so I, I think it's really important just to focus on hitting your macronutrients, you know, hitting your protein goals for the day and let the total calories and protein needs be dictated by your strength. So let your resistance training and the workouts that you do be the litmus test for how much protein to titrate in. If you go lower in protein total calories and over the course of two or three weeks, you start losing some strength, then you just dial it back up again and start adding. It's really that simple. I do find that many cancer patients really have a lot of psychological stress around what to eat, when to eat, you know, to incorporate intermittent fasting and things like that. And the types of protein to eat. And if they're eating red meat, is that going to, you know, lead to more? So uh, I think, I personally think that it's just way too, I think this is just down in the minutia, minutia, you know, it's like, it's, you don't need to micromanage it to that. I think it's important to just set your macronutrient goals and adhere to that and dial it up or down, depending upon how you feel uh, subjectively and what the numbers are saying. If you are lifting and you're tracking your reps, or even if you're doing push-ups and chin-ups and you know how much you could do like with your body weight. Um, and, and that's kind of what I do. And that uh, you're, you're not in a position where you want to lose weight. <laughs> so I, I think- right. really, keeping that protein up is super important. And this is a conversation that so many registered dietitians have with uh, consulting with cancer patients and feeling that the, in, in some cases, the cancer patients really feel like they need to protein restrict or calorie restrict to get their ketones up uh, to not drive IGF-1. But when you do that, that's impairing not only your lean body mass, and it's hard to get that lean body mass back in the context of, you know, going through cancer treatment, but, um, 
but also it's impairing your immune system. Immune function is intimately tied to your protein status, you know, and, and you mm. want to look at things, especially like albumin. And I think yours was pretty much normal for the most part. I, I think your hematocrit might've been trending down if I remember right. But albumin is four, was 4.4. Five probably when I talked to four point one uh -huh. when I talked to you, and then at four point seven. I don't have it updated for the last couple of blood works, but you know, that's what it was. Yeah, but no, I remember nothing really jumped out uh, from I, I. You know, the thing that jumped out of your blood work that I remember, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. Your HDL was like double of your LDL. Is that still the case? And I just that was like one of the most I've never seen that. Your LDL was something like 20 or 30, and your HDL was like 70, 77 or something like that. Uh, let's see. HDL at the time, so September 23rd at that time, that's about when we started chatting, I think. My HDL was 55. My LDL was 28. Yeah. So you have an HDL that's double your LDL. And that was almost like, in my mind, like almost pathologically low LDL. And I don't know if that's like a sign of something. Uh, I mean, most what, cardiologists what be? Are, would be salivating yeah. over that because that's what they try to get their, <laughs> their patients to, right? <laughs> With a statin, but you're not yeah. on a statin and you're not on any drug that would lower LDL to that level. Right. I mean, maybe it's, you're just a genetic yeah. anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> In that the, the amount of times, the amount of times people have looked at my blood work gone. Yeah. You're, I mean, I had one of the one on the one integrative oncologist I, I talked to. I went through the scoring sheet with him that he does for his, his patients. And he's does, he's probably done this with hundreds. And he just looked at me. He goes, Chad, you have the highest score I've ever had from any patient. And I was <laughs> like, okay, like, this is not helpful. Like, how do I get rid of this thing that's right here? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. You know? But I don't know. You know your approach, so your mindset, if, correct me if I'm wrong, totally changed almost maybe a 180, but I don't want to speak for you uh, in regard to your philosophy uh, becoming metabolically physically and mentally elite i think is what yeah. you know and maybe describe to our listeners here or viewers like what that means for you like what is your strategy uh for becoming metabolically physically and mentally elite and you know we've had conversations about biomarkers and things like that and you're really good with tracking but i would like to hear kind of like how you approach that do you love learning about metabolic health so do we it's why we created the Metabolic Initiative, an online educational platform providing evidence-based education on metabolic health and therapies for healthcare professionals and the general public. By joining the Metabolic Initiative, you'll gain access to hundreds of expert lectures, interviews, panel discussions, and even private episodes of the Metabolic Link. CMEs are available. Go to metabolicinitiative.com to get started. And as always, Thank you for listening to the Metabolic Link. Yeah, so it starts with, it starts with you got to go back one step. And the back one step yep. is what I talked about before, which is simply like I was doing things that were probably inauthentic to me, right? It wasn't what I had been thinking about my whole life. I was doing things to eventually pay for the thing or to do the thing, right? And so when you get diagnosed and you look back and you're like, oh, my God, I was doing all these other things to eventually do the thing. 
I was like, so I'm running out of time. The doctors gave me six to 12 months to live if the medicine didn't work. If it did work, they said it could, it'll work for six months, maybe up to 10 years, but the average is one and a half. Okay. Yeah. And so what happens right then and there, you're like, shit, like my time is coming up. I literally had a timeline on my life. And so I was like, but I wanted to do the things that I had set out to do, which is one called Uncharted Spirits. That's where I yeah. sent you the video. I was in yeah. Kathmandu, Nepal on my Kathmandu, way to right. the Himalayas. Yeah. 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 On yeah. my way to Himalayas, filming a TV show. That's what we were doing, filming a yeah. TV show. That was one thing I'd been working on for 10 years. And I was like, well, screw it. If I'm going to die, I might as well just, I might as well just get one out. Right. And just get it done. And so like we finished it, we got back and then I ran the half Ironman, not because I like running. I just wanted to do something that was like, made me feel like I was still capable. And like, as I was finishing these things up, the other thing I wanted to do is I want to surf big waves. I don't surf big waves now. Right. Like, you know, 10 foot maybe. Right. But I was just in Puerto Escondido, Mexico. That wave at five feet is like 10 times the power of anything in Ventura, California. Like it is gnarly. Right. And I want to get to that at some point. And so I started looking at all these things and I was like, I am never going to get to these things. And now the condensed amount of time I was given, unless I am literally at top notch performance. And I realized I was like, I, that means I need to live. And the only way I'm going to live is if I'm metabolically elite, which is what we're talking about here, right? The second one was physically elite. I'm not going to be able to do all these things if I'm not physically performing. More importantly, it goes coincides with the metabolic part, right? And then the final component was the mental side. I realized the mental side was the place that I was getting screwed up the most because it's, it's super hard, right? When they tell you that you're going to die and you look back at your life and you're like, I didn't do the shit that I wanted to do. Yeah. And so like, I, I was like, I'm going to make a focus from here on out that I'm going to be elite in all these categories with a chance to save my life long enough to experience the things that I wanted to experience. And that's where it kind of came from. So every single day I'm looking at it. I don't know. I don't know what metabolically elite looks like. Apparently my blood works good, but I don't know what I should be tracking every time. And like, those are things I'm learning from you, from other people I listen to, Peter Atia, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning and I'm just documenting what I'm learning. Uh, and then the physical side is, can I surf Maverick someday? <laughs> you know? yeah. Although I feel like that's more mental at this point. That's well, you are kind of embracing a protocol uh, within the realm of, and if you've read uh, Chris Palmer's book, right? <laughs> so I haven't, energy, I haven't yeah, read it. Put that on your list because uh, there's a rapidly emerging field of metabolic psychiatry, which is using nutritional metabolic interventions with a big emphasis on nutritional ketosis for things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression. Uh, really good evidence for things like autism um, and, and many uh, and even anxiety and things like that. I mean, you are kind of inadvertently uh, creating the mental elite check mark, uh, which is which is also under that umbrella is, you know, it's psychological, social and spiritual, too. I would put I just interviewed Kyle Gillette. Right. And part of his six pillars, the last one is spirituality. And that could be for the non, you know, faith based person or spiritual that uh, an equivalent, you know, could be social, you know, just social networking, having a social network. And I think you're doing that through uh, making your story, being very courageous and making your story public where 
there are so many patients that communicate with me that really want this information and they just want to understand the psychology of the patient and how they're dealing with it. And, um, with the diagnosis that just came out of nowhere. And, and I think that that's part of it, but sharing your story, I'm sure is very, uh, psychologically beneficial for you too because it's almost it must be kind of cathartic <laughs> to be able to it is kind of yeah it was one of those things i got diagnosed yeah uh, sorry i i got diagnosed and i spent 60 days saying to myself will i handle this in private or or what do i do do i tell anybody yep and i realized handling stuff inside internally was just it's going to make things worse and I was like, I'm just going to be public about it. I go, but here's the difference. If I'm going to be public about it, I'm going all in because I want, I want somebody to get something from this so they avoid what I experienced. And I was like, so my mission is to save lives. And they're like, well, how are you saving lives? I go, I'm showing them things about how their mind operates and how it actually disrupts your entire system that could open you up for disease, whether it's cancer or something else. And I go, if I prevent you, from going down this path because you made a simple change in your life and the way you operate, then I saved somebody's life. Obviously we won't know because the point yeah. is they never get to the end. Right. But that's it. And I, I really believe, I just looked at Chris's book, brain energy. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I am. I haven't even, I haven't yeah, even copy of it here somewhere. Do yeah. you, okay. <laughs> I'm definitely going to read that. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Cool. I'm definitely going to read, make sure I read that because I'm all about the brain energy. I started learning how to use my mind. I, I mean, look, uh, I've done, I've done my, uh, microdosing LSD. I used to do that before cancer. And then after cancer, it became super helpful for me because it's like, it took away all the weight of everything. Right. I've done ayahuasca before, before cancer, wild experience, right? Because it's like, it gets in the depth of your mind. Then I found out that the brain can actually produce DMT like by itself. And I experienced that. I just sat there in a, in a, I call it the mental work. It doesn't happen. It's only happened like twice. But I was able to get to a point where I triggered DMT in my own brain. And I was like, oh my God, this is giving me a chance to actually withstand the negative thought onslaught that's happening because I could see a potential on a different side. And I don't know how much you've looked into that. When I see brain energy, I'm like, I understand already what brain energy means. Like I get it. Yeah. I mean, in essence, mitochondrial health, right? And that can be achieved uh, not only nutritionally, but through just removing yourself from toxic environments. And that could be just the ambient environment, or that could be a, a mental state, which is a toxic environment too. And uh, I would be curious, you know, and yes, we do produce uh, DMT. Like, what are you practicing any particular uh, breath work, breathing protocol, uh, uh, any kind of meditative practice that's contributing to that. Cause yeah, I get, I get this those, question those, asked a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's those two things combined, right? Those two like, things combined. Yep. Yeah. Like we'll call it, I, this is why I call it mental work because anytime I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna do a meditation. People are like, uh, like that's not what I'm doing most of the time. Right. Like I'm literally shutting down the body so i don't produce the chemicals that are attached to the negative thoughts right but how i can observe the thoughts and i can say for example here's a simple example i shut my body down and i'm sitting here and i'm i'm in a meditative state but in that state i'm actually doing a lot of work i'm actually looking at some of the thoughts that are making disruptions in my day 
And a simple one in the cancer world is simply, I had a thought for a long time, cancer is killing me, cancer is killing me, cancer is killing me. And when you think about that every day, all day, you start to get into a depressive state, into an angry state, into a what's the point state. So I, in that mental work, I sat there and I, I remember I was flying back from the half Ironman and I was in that, on the plane in that mental state. And I said, okay, well, what, what's the opposite of this that you can actually produce dopamine from? <laughs> and I was like, well, cancer's healing me. And people are like, what the, what? But the difference is, is if it wasn't for cancer, if can, cancer was like a, a stick in the spoke. Right? I was on a hamster wheel, just running, running to nowhere. And it came in and it stuck a stick in the spoke and I came flying off of it. And it took, it's taken me a long time, but you know, 14 months later, I can tell you right now that cancer saved my life, right? Because now I'm not doing the shit that doesn't matter, right? Don't get me wrong. I still got to pay taxes apparently, but you know, <laughs> yep. the point is, is now like everything I think about is, is this authentically me? And as long as 80% of my day or, is, or my day is trending towards 80% authentically me and then 20%, you're always going to have the bullshit, right? As long as we're heading that way, I'm good. And if it wasn't for cancer doing that, where would I be? I'd be on the same hamster wheel coming right back around. Mm -hmm. And so um, that mental work is what's changed it for me. The other, op the other thing about it, here's another one. Look, I get messages all the time of people saying, my dad died from this. My brother died from this. Same medicine I'm on. Diagnosed two months after me, dying two months before me yeah. or two months later. And it's like, I'm sitting here getting an onslaught of people nonstop dying or saying all these negative things. And then on the other hand, you got somebody who's actually like lived 10 years plus yeah. who had the same thing. So you've got like this outlier and then you have the non-outlier. And I'm sitting here comparing myself to the non-outlier, but also to the outlier. And I couldn't find the, the, the right zone. So I kept saying, oh, I'm like this person, but I'm also like this person. So I stopped it and I said, I am my own outlier. How I go about things will be very different than everybody else, even the outlier that's living 20 years. And like that simple shift made me feel like I took more control, right? Yeah. And it's like those little brain patterns that we ingrain into our mind, right? Breaking yeah. the name, breaking it and changing it to something else that makes you actually feel that. And now I walk around and I, I do that mental work and I pump my fist and I go, I'm my own outlier, man. I believe that. I believe that. That's huge. I mean, even in the field of like neuropsychoimmunology, right? So our, our brain state and our psychology profoundly impacts our immune system. And it's failure of the immune system is essentially one of the hallmarks of cancer, right? It's... And, and what does chemotherapy do? What does the standard care typically wipes out the immune system? And, and for, you know, in many situations that can be beneficial, uh, if, you know, you follow through with the whole protocol, but it, it takes a toll on the body and, uh, does. yeah. And mindset is really, really key in keeping your immune system robust and healthy and helping you kind of go through, yeah, the standard of care and any side effects did you have with the standard of care so far? And, and so, I mean, Tegrisso, Tegrisso was the medication and there's like a Facebook group, you know, people on Tegrisso and it's, uh, my wife just told me, don't even go look at the Facebook group. I'll go look at it because it can yeah. get, it can get not so fun. 
but everybody's everybody's side effects are like you know rashes and all sorts of yeah. like just stuff right yeah kind of random. I, I had little yeah. to know what's that kind of random stuff it can be like random yeah, yeah. yep and i had little to none and the reason why is because of this this is another part of the standard of care that i'm gonna say i'll be gentle but like i got the medication and I remember I first started taking it at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon because they're like, I didn't know. I was just, I'm going to take it. I want a good day. And then at three, when the day shut down, I'll do it. I take it at 3 p.m. And then I noticed I started feeling like car sick. It wasn't bad, but it was just enough. And it would sit on you and you're just like, oh, it makes me feel like crap. And guess what? When you feel like crap, you think like crap and then you feel like crap. more. Yeah. And that was happening. And then I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm now going to take the medication, go for a hill hike with, with 30 pound weight vest on in Ventura and just run this thing. And I would, I would run it. And then I, I drink a bunch of water and guess what? I feel nothing. And it's because I, I think I pumped it out of my system. And then one day, I was, and then I got blood work back and it said that my, my kidney, my kidney numbers, sorry, my liver numbers were up, right? Can't remember which ones. Whatever ones are pumping the, the chemo out of me. <laughs> but Could be the right. numbers yeah. were up. AST, ALT. Yeah, uh, liver function. Yep. 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 So those numbers were sky high. And my oncologist, and this is early on, my oncologist goes, oh, we're going to have to take you off of that for a couple of weeks to let your liver like come back to it. And I was like, well, let me see if I can do something here. And so that's when I started adding in, okay, I'm going to drink all X amount of water. I'm going to do an exercise and then I'm going to do this. And then I'll go do my blood work, drop it right back down. Yep. And then I was like, okay, there's a pattern here. So then I started taking it at night, like 8 PM sleep through any side effect that's there, get up function like normal. But what I noticed is that it was the exercise. It was the food and it was the hydration. And I remember I went and explained my oncologist this. I said, this is what's happening in order to keep my stuff down. She goes, Oh, that's good to know. I go, why didn't, why wasn't this actually part of the conversation to begin with? Yeah. Well, man, I mean, there's so many reasons for that, but the, the bottom line is that that is not what they're trained in. <laughs> you know, they are, they're trained, uh, down a particular path and you have to also kind of know, I'm sure you know this, but kind of a appreciate it that not everyone is as motivated <laughs> as you for reasons I don't fully understand uh, to embrace things that could dramatically augment the efficacy of the standard of care, you know, exercise, nutrition have profound effects on outcomes. And if that data for reasons it could be debated. I mean, just exercise alone, like the effects on outcomes are tremendous, you know, nutrition, mm -hmm. nutritional status, uh, with cancer, nutrition is really about preventing any deficiencies and not losing weight. <laughs> so that's cancer nutrition. That's essentially cancer nutrition. Uh, there's some indication of like specific nutraceuticals and, you know, vitamin D status and omega threes and things like that. And I think, you know, these are things too, uh, that I actually wanted to ask you, are you, in addition to your, your diet and maybe hear about like what, what your average meal, what's your typical meal? Have you also added any, uh, nutritional supplementation or looked at your nutritional status? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just shifted so much in 14 months, right? So much. Um, I, I take no supplementation. 
And that is something I've been waiting to talk to somebody about to be like, the reason I, what I didn't want to do is like, oh, that's a supplement. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. I was like, I need someone to actually outline. Let's talk about a protocol. Right. That's what I needed so that I could get that right. And so that's why I started with the integrative oncologist side to be like, what are these nutritional supplements that should be doing? Um, so I'm going down that route. If anybody's listening who can help me, let me know. Right. So it's like, so that was the one thing. Uh, in terms of the food side, I started off on ketogenic, I lots of, of broccoli, lamb, like a lot of things. And I hit nutritional ketosis in no time. And I was just running nutritional ketosis. I felt great. It was amazing. That's when I switched over to whole foods, plant-based, which is high uh, on the create cure side. Um, it was high carbohydrates. And I stuck with that for a long time. Uh, oysters and, and salmon were my, my main protein source, obviously beans too, but I couldn't can stomach all the beans mm -hmm. literally and so it's like that's where i went and then over time over time i just started like easing into some type of mix of that so i was kind of like making up my own a little bit right i'd have a burger a grass-fed beef burger once in a while you know um you know i was doing uh levels health glucose measuring right I know what spikes me and what doesn't spike me. Apples don't spike me whatsoever. So there's my dessert from now on. Like, I'm like, cool, I can do that. Um, so it's just kind of like, I'm just trying to find that fine, fine line. And then I go to Northern Wisconsin where my wife is from. And in Northern Wisconsin, guess what? Like rarely any organic food, rarely any like, you know, highly nutritious things where we're going. But the people are happy as shit. And guess what? They're living till 90, 95. Sure. I'm like, well, is it how much of it is? <laughs> you know, how much is how much is this food change going to help me? It all goes together. But I can tell you right now, like I, I just realized I just need to find that optimal zone where I don't overthink it yet fuel the body correctly for the active lifestyle that I have combined with the other components of the physical side as well as the mental side and, mm -hmm. and, and hope that hope that I can cure myself and no West, no standard of care is ever going to say cure your, you'll never cure from this, but I think I can cure it. Yeah. And, and I do think it's really important not to overthink nutrition. I mean, just, I mean, you have the general idea of stick with nutrient dense whole foods and, uh, but I do think it's important to track like your macros and total calories and then uh, adjust that subjectively from your energy levels and then from biomarkers too. And I, I think I remember seeing like your B12 status, but things that like, you know, the tier top tier things that you need to kind of focus from a nutritional standpoint is like vitamin D, you know, status, mm -hmm. uh, B12. Uh, I am of the opinion that you do not need supplementation unless you have a deficiency. And there's quite a bit of debate when it, in regards to supplementation and the cancer patient, especially in regards to antioxidants, uh, especially in regards to high levels of B vitamins, which could uh, fuel tumor growth and proliferation. Uh, there's some debate there. You just want to prevent deficiency. So uh, there's a, a lot of a number of different tests out there offered by Quest Labs, LabCorp, Genova Diagnostics is fantastic. They have a whole battery of tests. I'll, I'll send you some some information on different tests that can be done. Uh, yeah. But I think that's first and foremost, probably one of the most important just to make sure you don't have any overtly <laughs> uh, overt neutral nutri nutritional deficiencies or 
micronutrients, but also, uh, for example, like with the, if you do a test, the example I'm thinking of is Genova Diagnostics Metabolomics Plus test, which actually looks at all the different heavy metals and, you know, the micronutrients and, uh, and also the different metabolic pathways. It can give you insight into that. Uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, I did that and I was really impressed uh, with that test. And I think that could be useful in guiding, you know, your nutritional selection. Yeah, like uh, the thing is, is how much are we good on time? A couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. we're good. Okay. So, like, <clears throat> like if it wasn't for you and Dr. Gareth Monks is the one who connected us yep. here in LA. If it wasn't for him, like early on before he even connected me to you, like I, I would, I would have been, I would have been stalled out from the gate. And he literally was like, "Here we go. These are the biomarkers. These are what we're tracking." This was never talked about in any of my other doctor conversations. And I immediately, because I told him, I was like, this is a metabolic disease. This is not unlucky. I was told I was the unlucky 15%. And I go, this is not unlucky. I created the environment for this. And I was lacking something. And it gave it a chance to just to grow. And I was low on vitamin D. I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know. What, that's the thing. I don't know what the, the number should be. So, for example, vitamin D, I don't have a target for that here. But I was at 76, 98, 84. Then I dropped to 51. I don't know where I am now. But the point is, is like, where are my targets? And like vitamin B12, it should be 500 I have. But I was at 368, 268, right? And so these are the things I was trying yeah. to fix over time. But what are the targets? And that's, that's the resource that I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, all those numbers you just said, uh, some are trending a little bit low, but generally speaking, you're not like clinically deficient. Uh, but there's a difference between, uh, you know, what's optimal and what's acceptable. Right. And I think, especially in your situation, you could really, uh, optimize things to, to hit what your objective is metabolic, physical, and mental being mentally elite, you know, and hitting, yeah. you know, checking all those box and, uh, there's different ways to achieve that. Nutrition is one of the key ways. And I think only use supplementation. Uh, it would be good for you. I'd like to see like a omega quant test uh, to look okay. at your omega-3 fatty acids and look at your uh, omega-6 fatty acids to see if that's high. I don't think it would be, but uh, it could be missed. But you want to have a particular omega-3 to omega-6 ratio and to look at the different fatty acids uh, yeah. in that. And I think that can make a, a really big difference. Omega threes also have a really strong anti-catabolic effect, uh, and can be, can help spare lean body mass in the context of a calorie deficit that's helping keep your insulin low, glucose low and ketones high. So, yeah. so, you know, it, but you are eating fish and that's a good thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I eat a lot of wild caught salmon these days. Yep. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's like, the internet, man, the internet's an amazing tool, but it is a rabbit hole that is dangerous. And it's like, can, can the people at Metabolic Health or somewhere around there be like, here are all the biomarkers we want you to do. Here's when you should do them. Here's your target you should get to. If you're deficient, this is how you fix it. Like that, that's like, I literally was going to create this database myself. I was going to come to somebody at the Metabolic Health Summit when I was like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to create a database. I just need someone to do it. And if you have this, plug it in. Here's what you're, this is what cool. you should be doing. 
I'll send you some resources. Nasha Winters has a fantastic book, you know, that kind of delves into all that way too much to go into now, but I'm look her up. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there. Of course, you want to make sure you to pick the right resources, but, uh, this can be a discussion and I think it, it, it should be a discussion at metabolic health summit. And, you know, we're super thrilled to have you as a speaker, you know, talking about this. And I think we can explore the conversation more, but I think, uh, I wanted to, and we've talked about it a little bit, like what advice would you give the patient for navigating a diagnosis and what resources, I mean, everybody, it's like, you know, everybody has their own journey depending on upon what kind of cancer they have, what kind of therapy they have to do and where their starting point is, where they are metabolically, physically, and mentally. Right. Yeah. I, my take is that uh, the majority of this will be mental, right? Because for me, the majority of this has been mental. Um, and being able to withstand the onslaught mentally is really the key. And being able to shift. Look, we have 70,000 thoughts a day. 95% of them are the same as yesterday. The majority of them are negative. And when they're negative, it creates the adrenaline, the cortisol, and the stress on top of what we're already dealing with. So being able to break some of that and actually change it to more, uh, just changing that mentality will help uh, go a long way. Then obviously you have the metabolic side because now you got the host body that you got to take care of. Um, you can't just switch your mind and it be gone, you know? And so it's like, really, it's a three-legged stool. And then people don't get out and actually do exercise. I know the power of building muscle, right? And how that just helps. You know, totally. I did that half Ironman and that heart rate was shooting through the roof. And all I could think to myself, because I listened to, um, what's her name? I don't remember what her name is. Another one, all in your circle. But she was like, you know, getting that high intensity heart rate up or that, that heart rate up, that blood flow circulating through. All I could think to myself is it's creating a hurricane for cancer cells. Rhonda <laughs> Patrick, little, maybe. That's uh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's another... Great. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, her information, there's, there's a lot of information out there and I think it's just important to pick. Start know, with the mind, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. That is the key. I mean, you know, uh, you wake up in the morning and you have like, for me, sometimes just thoughts come into my head, like rushing, you know, like wild animals. Right. And they're hard to stress, but, uh, for me and for my wife too, I, I think we could say that nature is a really big lever to pull for, uh, mitigating the sympathetic drive, you know, your mm -hmm. body is in fight or flight all the time. And as soon as we mm -hmm. get out in nature, you know, you can almost feel, you know, you know, your adrenaline levels drop, cortisol levels drop. And I think the smells, the tactile feel of like the sun, you know, animals, as I watch the cows walk by my window now. So it's like all these different things factor in, um, and then exercise on top of that too. And just, yeah. you know, I think that's key, but everybody, not everybody's going to have that experience, but I do think that, you know, you're very adventurous and can probably speak to just being outside in nature, being outside, you know, getting natural sun early in the morning, yeah. maybe, yeah. um, have, have these thoughts or the diagnosis impacted things like sleep and things like your how do you set up your daily routine? And, um, and also I want to get to like the things that you're working on now from a work perspective and from mm -hmm. an educational outreach perspective, and then the businesses that you're, you know, doing, yeah. it's more 
driven by purpose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I get up every morning. I spend thirty minutes actually in silent. At first, I chug twenty five ounces of water, pump that 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 medicine out of my system, <laughs> right? And then I I, uh, I I do that mental work. I sit down and I get into a state of like just making sure that my mind, and my thoughts are in the right place. And that's the first thing I do. I do my work, and that's what we'll talk about in a second. My work, which is now the daily things I do to to make money, to live, the projects, et cetera. At about two o'clock, I go for a walking mental work where I go and I walk and I'll pump out all these good, positive thoughts because at two o'clock, everybody hits a wall and that's where negativity starts. It's the two o'clock feeling, right? So I go and I pump all that out. And then, um, I, so I change my mind frame and then I go work out at three o'clock because now I'm like, all right, now I'm, my mind's good. Let's get that workout in. Then I come home. I, as I go to bed, like at nine o'clock, I do 40 more minutes of that mental component where I sit there and I look at the thoughts of the day and say, where did you create a programmatic thinking that was just automatic negativity? And then let's undo that and let's find something to switch for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's the day. Now, the work, the work is, you know, I, what I was doing prior to this, and I still do it. It's just on a much lower scale. I'm a I'm a I'm an enterprise tech sales trainer. So I actually work for a company wide winning by design. I teach companies like Dropbox, Calendly, all those ones you've heard of. I teach them how to sell more. That's what I do. I've since like lowered the number of trainings I take. And now what I'm doing is there's there's three things I'm really doing. One, I'm starting to shift to this idea of becoming elite. And so like I'm starting to do more keynote presentations on how we use our mind to actually undo some of the past experiences so that we can take our foot off the brake. We're all trying to go somewhere, but everybody's got a foot on the brake. And now I understand what's happening and I can help people take that foot off the brake. So now I'm, I'm, I'm doing basically teaching on this component on how to be more mentally elite. So foot on the brake of fear, right? Sorry to interrupt, but like that's part of it. Okay. Or just, uh, so foot off the brake could be anything, right? Yeah. Could be anything, right? Someone's trying to become X, right? And when I do some of my work with them, like I'll talk to these individuals and I find out that there's this thought that's been in their main mind since like 12 years old. And all you have to do is change that thought and removes the foot from the brake and they can keep going. Part of it's fear, fear of losing money, fear of not having a good relationship, whatever it may be. So that's that one. And then I'm building uh, Uncharted Spirits, which mm-hmm. is where I, I sent you that video. Yeah. It's called mm-hmm. Supply Run. Yep. That TV show is being, it's a TV show concept that I've been working on for a while. It goes live on December 16th. Um, we have a trailer now. Awesome. Um, it's pretty fantastic. I'm pretty stoked on it. Um, basically, it's this idea of we take somebody who's never left the country. Mm-hmm. And we took them over to Kathmandu and Nepal and the Himalayas. And we delivered supplies to communities that will help them be supported. But the perp- the point is, is the third person that came with us. I never left the country. And it's just a wild transformation to experience. And then the other thing is I'm building tequila farm with my wife, which is morphing into a flower farm where she's becoming a flower farmer. And I'm the ops guy. I I just build drip systems to make sure flowers grow. (laughs) That is wow. You got your hands into a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You only live once. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Everything. The uncharted spirits and the tequila farm transitioning to flower farm. Uh, and, you know, and then you're able to sort of leverage and optimize metabolism, your physical health, and then your mental health 
will all make you a better business person in every sense of the word. So these keynotes that you're doing too are really, I mean, you're helping people like from the inside out, right? From mentally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. yeah. And just really uh, letting them break down barriers to do it. And yeah, so that, wow, it's, it's amazing how you've kind of leveraged your situation <laughs> in a way to, I guess, more or less redesign or re-engineer your life towards greater purpose. And then to- Yeah, I mean, look, the purpose too. is, I, yeah, like yeah. I, I'm I, like sales training's great. Sales training's yep. great. I, I was a great job. It helps people do more things and I love doing it. I still love doing it. But I realized teaching on this, preventing people getting to a place where I created the perfect environment for this to happen. I destroyed yep. my immune system, right? And I believe that I can help prevent people getting to that point, i.e. the mission is now saving lives. Like all this other stuff is cool, but my goal is to save lives. And so I'm using my story and it's embarrassing. Actually, when I get up there on a keynote, I literally start with this is embarrassing. And I think that's when people start to connect. They're like, oh, shit, Chad's actually going to be transparent about this. And I go through it and they're like, oh, my God, that's I'm going that way. They said that to me last week. We were at a keynote. I did a keynote and they came up to me and like many people were like, Chad, I'm going that route. Thank you for that. Or they're like, I almost went that route. Thank you for that. Well, I am so grateful that you're going to share this experience with Metabolic Health Summit at Metabolic Health Summit because, you know, so many people can relate to their story, whether we have patients that come to the event and then uh, we do have quite a quite a few entrepreneurs and of course the sponsors are going to be there all entrepreneurs so they have like so much to learn from your situation and how you kind of changed it and so maybe i don't know if there is there anything else that you want i know we're coming coming up or coming past the hour uh how can people reach you support you follow you um yeah, yeah, all that stuff. It depends on what it depends on where you go. If you like the internet and the website, it's chadvanigs.com. Mm-hmm. First name, last name dot com. Um and then if if you're a LinkedIn person, just follow me on LinkedIn. I post that stuff there all the time. And then if you're an Instagram person, just go there yeah. and you'll see it there. Great. Well thank you, Chad. Thank you for sharing, you know, your wisdom on the interview today. And I think uh there are many patients, many of them email me that can really resonate with the story. And I think uh, your uh, spirit overall and how you approach this mindset is everything. I think you said it really well. And uh, that is often overlooked <laughs> with the patients. And I have just find from just speaking with patients over the last decade or more, that mindset and having faith in the approach that you're taking uh, increases your odds exponentially for reasons I'm still trying to figure out, you know, whether it's the placebo effect or whether, but I mean, I firmly believe in the power of nutrition and you're leveraging that and your blood work looks great. And of course the recent, you know, uh, uh, medicines that have come out and pharmaceuticals, uh, in your situation can help, you know, greatly. Uh, but many people just need to navigate, this idea of not having any support from a dietary perspective and from all the things that you're talking about here, metabolism, uh, your physicality and, and your mental state, these are things that were are the most important 
for the outcome for the cancer patient, I think in many different ways, because in many situations with advanced metastatic cancer, let's face it, uh, our therapies do not help, right? So, uh, but, so you have to do what you can to increase the odds and what you are doing is going to help you know exponentially in increasing your odds it's a three and three-legged stool you have all three of those that you just mentioned they have to work together but you have to be able to do each one yep mental nutritionally you know even the standard care medicine like that had to all work together well awesome well thank you everybody thank you chad for doing this interview and thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode of the metabolic link uh, again, if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it, subscribe to our YouTube, uh, on Spotify, please follow us and also please comment and leave a review that really helps this amazing information get out. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us and we hope to, uh, have you here next time.